Amen. Well, Jeanette showed up. Jeanette, I just recognized you, and there was no one here a minute ago, but they clapped. 40 years in the nursery. Would you give her a loud hand? We, uh, we gave her, we recognized her in the first service and we gave her something. And so this is your second gift today. And I don't know which is which, so, but we pray you enjoy it. And Miss Jeanette, we love you. And thank you so much for taking care of, uh, uh, thank the, you parents. well, amen. Well, good morning. It's kind of weak. Let's try it one more time. Good morning. Good. It is good to see you today. I told him in the the, uh, the first service last week, I said, y'all are really looking good, but my glasses aren't completely adjusted, so they're kind of blurry. So some of you may not be looking that good, but it's great to see you here. They laughed more than you did, so this is going to be a tough morning. Back in, on uh, February the 28th, 2013, a 36-year-old man named Jeff Bush went to bed in his home in Tampa, Florida. He would never be seen again. About midnight, his brother, sleeping in another room, heard him screaming, and when he ran into Jeff's room, he was gone. Literally gone. There was a sinkhole sitting right where his bedroom was, And it sucked that bedroom and him down in there. And when they got in there, how quick that was, for a little while they could hear him screaming and then nothing. That's one picture. But let me show you what the picture looked like when they cleared the house out. They never saw him again. He disappeared into the hole in the earth. Now, what was the deal there? Well, Florida has more sinkholes than any other place in America. And apparently where this bedroom Specifically, this bedroom was built was over a sinkhole. And they said they thought that a lot of these sinkholes were limestone, limestone caverns that had been filled with water at one time. And the caverns, uh, the water just seeped out into the earth eventually, leaving basically a hollow spot. Boom, you're gone. You, you do not want to build a home over a sinkhole, do you? You don't. What about your life? Well, this morning in Luke chapter 6, we're closing out our series on the weird and wonderful ways of Jesus, and Jesus closes it with an exclamation point. He closes it with a power shot uh, to you and to me, and let's begin with this. This is the question for the ages. This is the question for this morning. Is Jesus Christ really your Lord? Is Jesus Christ really your Lord? In verse 46... Well, this is worth listening to, folks. It says, why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you do not do what I say? Now, the word Lord, if you're taking notes, man, this is something you need to get into your head and get, get from your head to your heart. Because it's one of the most important words in the Bible. The word Lord in the New Testament means master. It means ruler. Uh, it means the owner. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's the, the, the big it's the big one is what the, the, the word Lord is. And the history of it even makes it more significant. I've shared this several times, but I'm going to share it again this morning because I think it's, it's worth remembering theologically and then practically it has tremendous power. The New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. The Old Testament was originally written in what language? Tell me. Anybody know? 
Pig Latin? No. What? It was written in Hebrew. And by Jesus' day, the Hebrew Old Testament had been translated to Greek because Greek was the universal language of that area. They called it the Septuagint. The Septuagint was the Hebrew Old Testament translated into Greek. And the word Lord in Greek is kuros. And so the Hebrew Old Testament, many times when it would refer to God the Father, God the Father, it would call him kuros. And in the New Testament, the New Testament says Jesus is kuros. Jesus is Lord. You following this? Jesus is God. Jesus is the master. Jesus is the ruler. Now let me tell you another important truth. Whether you and I agree with it or not, Jesus Christ is Lord. Did you know that? Did, did you know that? Did you know the Bible says someday every person, including Adolf Hitler and uh, Osama bin Laden, every person is going to bow to Jesus and to profess that he is Lord, either on the way up to heaven or on their way down to hell. But he is Lord. That's, that's not debatable this morning. The question for you and me this morning, is he our Lord? Is he your Lord and is he my Lord? Now, folks, let me tell you, the, the fundamental thing of this is your salvation, your eternity. When you became a Christian, you may not have understood much, but if you really became a Christian, Jesus Christ not only became your Savior, but He became your Lord. I've heard people say through the years, well, Jesus became my Savior at 12, but He became my Lord at 20. That dichotomy does not exist. Now, I understand intellectually how you grasp things deeper as you grow, but there's no such thing as Jesus being your Savior, not your Lord, an initial salvation. Now, here's the problem. Many of us in this room today have made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. We really have. But through the years, we've pushed Him off the throne. He's not the ruler of our lives anymore. We're the Lord of our lives. So the question this morning for you and me, which is one of the most important questions ever, is Jesus Christ today the Lord of your life? Now here's something else that's interesting. Jesus is going to tell us how we know this. Here's the first question. Do you really listen and obey him? Do I really listen to him and obey him? Now, now folks, this is what gets tough. It's easy and this is a profession you need to make that Jesus is Lord. But what he's saying here, well, this is far more than just an emotional thing. This isn't subjective. Well, you believe this, and I believe this, and he is all our Lord. No, no, what, what Jesus says here is that we, he is our Lord based on how we listen to him and we obey him. Verse 47, I'll show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. Folks, here, here's the thing. Jesus says, I'm, I'm your Lord. If the habit of your life is that you hear me and that you obey me, not, not an emotional experience, uh, as important as being baptized and joining a church are, as important as those things are, that's, that's not proof that he is your Lord. You can say the right things and he's not your Lord. The way that it is seen is Jesus being your Lord and the ruler if the habit, the direction of your life is you listen to God, you listen for God, and you obey God. Folks, now let me tell you, this is very important. This isn't about perfection, but it is about direction. Some of you are saying, well, nobody can do this perfectly. You're absolutely right. But it is about a direction of the life, of, of the habit of our life, the consistency of our life. The, the direction of your life is the direction of your life and my life is it controlled is is it set 
by the fact we want to know what God says about it, and we're going to obey God. See, here's the second thing here this morning. If you do, if this is you, he is your Lord. Verse 46, the negative, we'll see in a moment. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Well, Jesus, the flip side of this, when we call him Lord, and we hear him, and we obey him, this is the, the, the biggest proof he's our Lord. Now, folks, I know some people, some people like to be complicated in their Bible study, and that's fine, as long as you find your way out and, and do something with it. But, but I want to tell you, you you're not going to be judged by parsing Greek and Hebrew verbs someday. You're going to be judged, and I'm going to be judged how we hear God and we obey God. He tells us here a very hard truth but a very simple truth. So we'd, we'd rather be something complicated and easy than simple and hard, wouldn't we? We'd rather wrestle over revelation and walk away an hour later and it's not going to make much of a difference in our life versus hearing Jesus say, I'm your Lord if the habit of your life is to hear me and to obey me. And if you can say yes to that, not perfectly, but consistently, Jesus himself says that he is your Lord. Now, here's, the, here's where this all comes together. You're building a great life foundation. You make this choice this morning to give your life to Christ or to re-give your life to Christ. And you make a choice, I'm going to seek to hear God. I'm going to seek to obey God in my life. You're building your life on the rock. Listen to verse 48. It is like a person building a house who digs deep and he lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. In Jesus' day in Palestine and still today, they had, they had dry seasons where for months there would be droughts, terrible droughts. And then out of nowhere, just suddenly would be horrible floods that would just come and destroy anything and everything in, in its path. And, and Jesus is going to show us the dumb person in a minute. But he says the smart person, the smart person is the person who takes their time. It's harder. It's more difficult. They don't build their house in the creek bed, in the river bed. Doesn't that sound dumb? The river's coming through here in six months, but I'm just going to build a house here anyway. Or I'm going to build my house the cheapest way and, and the most uh, easiest way for me. I'm just going to build it in a bunch of sand. No, he said the wise person goes to a high spot. They dig deep till they find the rock. And then when they find the rock, they anchor their house to that. And Jesus says the person who goes through life hearing God in God's word comes to church like you're here this morning and hears God. Praise, read your Bible, ask God to direct you. That person, and they live it out. That person is the one who's digging deep. That's the person anchoring their house to the rock. And that's the person whose life's going to stand when the storms come. That person is the one who Jesus really is their Lord. Do you believe storms are coming in your life? We talked about this last week. They absolutely are. I, I read this week about earthquakes. A terrible earthquake in Italy. And they measure earthquakes on what's called the Richter scale. And there's, there's several different levels of, uh, of, of you know, the, the, how they measure weak ones to the most uh, horrible ones. The, the next to the worst level is a, point, a 5.0 to a 5.9. And that is an hur- uh, earthquake that can cause some really serious damage. This is incredible. There's over 800 of those 
a year around our world. Over 800. Uh, uh, that's over two a day. Serious earthquakes that can shake and cause, cause real damage. Now, how does that apply to you? Let me tell you, life is like the Richter scale. Those 5 to 5.9s happen all the time. And as I mentioned, if you were here last week about storms, they don't come when you expect them. That's what Jesus taught about these floods coming out of nowhere that are bad. We, we understand in America what it's like to, to live a uh, tornado alley. Uh, that, that's in the Midwest. Or we live uh, in, in, uh, in a flood plain. We understand that. We understand in Louisiana what it's like to live in a hurricane sphere or, or on an earthquake fault. Listen, life on this earth, seriously, this, I'm not being negative. I'm just telling the truth. Life on this earth, you live on an earthquake fault. You live in Tornado Alley. You live where a hurricane can hit you. You live on a floodplain. Things can happen tomorrow that'll turn your life upside down. Years ago, I was, I was in a prayer meeting, and we were talking. It was a, an open discussion. And we were talking about can you prepare for life storms when terrible things happen. And, and, and many of the people said, no, you really, you, you really can't prepare and then, then this, I said, well, let's, let's go back and look at what Jesus said. And Jesus said, you can. Now, it, it's a kind of a yes and a no. There are things that could happen to you or to me that are going to knock us off our feet. We're not going to be able to work or go to school for two weeks. We're going to cry. We're going to be broken. But here's the difference. The person who has built their life consistently on Christ, they're going to get knocked down. But I want to tell you, they're going to get back up quicker than that other person. And they're going to hurt, and they're going to weep, and they're going to have grief. But it's going to last shorter than that person who doesn't have Christ. And they're going to come out of it better than the person who doesn't have Christ. It's not because Christians are some little weird special people. It's what the Bible says there, that when you build your house on the rock, the storms are going to come, and they may blow the shingles off, and they may ruin a lot of things in your house. But if your house is built on Jesus Christ, your life is built on Jesus Christ, you're going to endure it better than any other person out there without Christ. Isn't that awesome? See, the hard part, you've got to make the Christ decision. Are you doing that? Is, is Jesus your Lord? Is, is Jesus Christian? Is Jesus your Lord right now? Check your checkbook. Check your calendar. What, what do you prioritize? How you read your Bible? How do you pray? Are, are, you, are you putting those things in your life? Let me give you some other thoughts. When you're following God, now listen carefully to this. Oftentimes, you're going to have to make a hard, right decision versus a, a wrong, easy decision. Wish somebody would have told me this years ago. And Dad Gummit, you know what we do? Even the best Christian church people, we opt for the easy thing that's wrong instead of the hard right. We think about the short term instead of the long term. Here's what the wise person does. Here's what the godly person does. The wise person, the godly person, the person of Jesus is Lord. Here's what they do. They say, I'm not thinking about what's going to feel good tomorrow or the next day. 
I'm thinking about the big picture. I'm thinking about my family. I'm thinking about the long term. I'm going to do what's right, even though it's terrible right now, because let me tell you something that's wonderful. What the hard right may cost you more right now, but in the end, it's going to be so much easier, and the easy wrong won't cost you much right now, but it is going to kill you later down the road. Jesus says, build your life on him. It's not the easy thing. It's not the quick thing. But it's the right thing. And it's the best thing. Several years ago, they began to make tornado, like little tornado rooms and shelters for homes. And when this first came out in Tulsa, which is in Tornado Alley, uh, a man who was putting up new homes in a community began to put them in for like $2,500. And nine out of ten of his first homes said they wanted a tornado shelter, which is a great thing. Uh, If you live in Tulsa, a tornado hole in the ground is good, correct? And you make it big enough for all the family you want to be able to get in. You know, the crazy uncle comes over, sorry, there's no more room. Just hang on to the outside of it. Maybe you'll, you'll make it through. One couple didn't get it. They were 75, and they said, just put us a hot tub in. Don't you love that? <laughs> Let me tell you, the tornado, uh, the tornado room might cost you a little bit more, but when the tornado comes, it's worth it, isn't it? And living with Jesus as your Lord costs you more. It's harder, no doubt about that. But when the winds come and the, the water rises, the person who has Jesus as their Lord has building their life on a firm foundation. Is that you and me this morning? Now, here's the second thing, second part of this today. Are we not obeying Him? Are we not obeying Jesus? You see, the wise person is the one who hears and obeys. That's the person Jesus says that he truly is their Lord. But look in verse 49. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. Now here, I want you to catch a nuance in this passage. Jesus is talking to you and me this morning. Jesus is talking to the people who come to church. Jesus doesn't even address the person who won't listen. I mean, the person who won't listen, the person who will never come to church, never read their Bible, never pray, never see God, or the person who might come to church and who plays on their phone for an hour, whatever. He doesn't even address that because he knows that person's not going to get anything. He's not even addressed. Isn't that interesting? He's addressing the people who who are hearing and who are going to make one of two choices, to hear and obey or hear and disobey. Don't you think that's neat and scary? So he's talking to us this morning. And he says there's a group of people. This is 2,000 years ago, but it, it has to apply this morning. Who will hear what God says, but they're just not going to do it. Let me tell you some scary things about this. Number one, he's not your Lord. Ugh. Verse 46. Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Hmm. 
You notice the double leave that there for a second, Brian. Lord, Lord. I told you what Lord meant, master, ruler, owner. Why, why the double, Lord, Lord? In Jesus' day, you said that, and you even would today. Like a little kid might say, Daddy, Daddy, or Mama, Mama. That was showing affection. That was showing warmth. That was showing sincerity to, to come to Jesus and say, Oh, Jesus, Lord, Lord. Jesus said, Why are you crying? Why are you emotional? Why are you excited about me? But your heart is far from me. See, if Jesus is not my Lord today, I'm in one of two spots. I'm lost. I'm not a Christian. Or I'm a Christian, again, who's moved him off the throne and put myself back on the throne. Jesus defines it by how we hear and how we obey, period. Louis C.K. is a comedian. Here's a quote he had. He said, I have a lot of beliefs. I believe a lot of things. But I don't let them get in the way of what I want to do. If I want to do something... I don't care about my beliefs. I'm just going to do it. I tell you, I'll give the, the, the guy an A for his honesty and uh, an F for his wisdom. But aren't we like that? Aren't we like that? I believe the Bible. I believe God is right. I believe God will lead me right. But I'm going to do what I want to do. Does that hit a nerve? He just voiced what I'm afraid many of us do. And here's the last part of this. We set ourselves up for disaster. You see, if he's not my Lord, then I have to examine, do I belong to Christ? Am I going to heaven? Some of you can say, oh, I I need to settle that this morning because he's not. Some of us can say, I know I've given my life to him. I've made him my Lord. But again, I've inched him off the throne. I've put myself back on the throne. And here's a, there's multiple problems with that. But here's a big one. We, we're living in a danger zone. Again, look in verse 49. Anyone who hears and doesn't obey, he hears and doesn't obey, is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse into a heap of ruins. In Jesus' day, people would do what I mentioned earlier about the, the, flood, the flood areas. Somebody would new would move into Palestine and they would see there hadn't been rain here for four, five, six months. They would see what looked like just dry parched land and someone would tell them, that's a creek bed, that's a river bed, that's not a creek bed or a river bed. And it, it was sandy, it was easy to put a house down, it didn't take much effort, it wasn't hard. And they would put their houses there and they would try to tie it into the sand, which you really can't do. And then out of nowhere in the winter, out of nowhere, the floods would come in, the flood waters would come down off the mountains, the, the rain and the wind, and it would sweep those houses away. In Haiti in 2010, an uh, uh, earthquake that was a level 7 on the Richter scale hit. Over 100,000 people died. Here's, here's fundamentally what they found out. Now, that's a very poor place, but poverty doesn't need to be a reason to do things that are going to kill you later. They built structures on sand. To make concrete go longer, they used a lot more sand in the concrete than they should have. 
And that was fine for a while. And the buildings looked pretty. Couldn't tell them from other buildings. Until a major earthquake hit Haiti. And then those buildings and those apartments and those homes collapsed. And 100,000 people died because those homes weren't built on a firm foundation. Jesus is not trying to give a construction lesson this morning. He's giving a personal lesson this morning. And he's telling you and me, if we will act on this, to say he's our Lord, but to not hear him and obey him is not only silly and wrong, but it's putting ourselves in a vulnerable and a bad spot. Did you hear me? And by the way, the foundation you build doesn't just collapse on you. It collapses on your children. It collapses on your friends. It collapses on those people in your sphere of influence. So you go, hey, I'm going to make some decisions. I'm going to build my house on the sound, saying I'm going to do what's easy, what feels good now because, oh, it's so hard to do the right thing. And God, in his graciousness, he lets us. All the time, he's whispering, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But we do it anyway. And it's easy and it's simple. Oh. And then six months or a year later, it all collapses around us. When we think about what I want to do today, what I want to do tomorrow, what feels good now, what's going to meet my need now, my want, my want, my want, and we... That's how we govern our life. Okay, you've got to let us. But sooner or later, it's going to circle back to us. God says we build our house on the sand. It's going to eventually collapse. Let me ask you this morning, what are you building on? Let's, let's, let's do a checklist. Again, check your checkbook. How do you spend your money? I love God. I love Jesus. I'm just not going to give any of my money to him. Okay. Maybe it's your time. Man, thank you for being here this morning. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It, it thrills me to see a lot of people here. It thrills me if there's five people here, but I, I'm glad you're here and that you've prioritized it. Do you prioritize being in church? You did this morning. That's awesome. Check your calendar. Jesus told us we need to, once a week, we need to show up. That's pretty, Jesus could have said seven times a week, couldn't he? What if Jesus would have said the tithe's 90%, keep 10 for yourself? Pastors would have loved that, but you would have hated it, right? Give me, laugh with me a little bit, right? What if he just said, we're going to go to church six days a week, and then you got one day to work and cover everything else? I would have loved that, except six sermons a week would have been brutal. But he didn't do that. But he still wrote boundaries, and he gave us rules. If you're missing 25 or 30 Sundays a year, you're in either really bad health or, or maybe Jesus is not your priority. Hey, I love Jesus, man, I do, and he's my Lord. I just, I just don't pray and I don't read my Bible. How are you hearing from him? I love Jesus, and he's my Lord, and he's my priority. But here's, I know what I want to do. I want to date that person. I want to marry that person. I'm going to have the affair He's my Lord in every area except this area. Listen, this is tough, but Jesus, Jesus doesn't want to be Lord of 90% of your life. In fact, he won't be. He wants to be Lord of all of it or none of it. 
What does your life say this morning? And remember, how we live this out is how we're building the structure of our life. When the storms will come, when the the water will rise, whether we'll make it or not. You know, there's an old, old, old hymn. It was actually written in in the 1830s by a pastor named Edward Moat. It's the solid rock. How many of you remember this, this beautiful old hymn? On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Folks, that's absolutely true. So let me ask you this morning. What's your life built on? Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, we'll, we'll talk more in just a second, but I, I hope and want to challenge you to get under the Lordship of Christ again. If you're not a Christian or you're unsure if you're a Christian and you're ready today to cross that line with Christ, would you pray with me? Would you pray with me where you are and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. Jesus, I accept that you're God's son and that you died and that you arose for me. Come into my heart, Jesus. And today, I surrender to you as my Lord. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in just a second. And when we do, I want you to think about verse 46 one more time. Why are you calling me Lord when you don't do what I say? Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus into your heart, or maybe you're ready to do that. What a great day to do it. Ministers will be down front. We can help you. You come this morning and cross that line with Jesus. Maybe you're here and you'd like to join the church. You can do it after church, or you can come and join right now. And if Jesus is leading you to do it, that's an act of obedience. Obey Him and do it. Christian, maybe you're doing okay here. Maybe you're not. Where you're standing or at the altar, man, let's do business with God. Let's get right with God this morning. Let's put Him back on the throne of our life today. Let's do it. Let's stand. As God leads you, you come. We'll be waiting on you.